Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'll give you all a second to find your seat. Um, just want to welcome everybody to West Irwin Church of Christ. As always, we're so excited, so excited that you're here with us, uh, whether it's here in person, uh, watching us online. Uh, we just thank you for joining us. Um, I am the announcement guy, so that's what I'm going to do. First, I just want to celebrate Jude Everson was baptized last week. What a, what a special, special thing. I, sadly, Elizabeth and I were out of town, so we didn't get to see it, but going back and watching it online... That was special. So welcome to the family, brother. Um, Schedule announcements. So starting for today, we have Bill's class and the singing class at 5 p.m. are going to be over in the office building. So Bill's class, singing class over at 5 p.m. in the office building. And then for a youth group, so we're going to do a middle school lunch devo back in the lighthouse directly following service. So any middle schoolers are invited to go back to the lighthouse. We'll hang out, have some lunch, have a little Devo, and just spend some time together. And then this evening, for youth families, uh, we're going to meet at the Family Life Center at 5 o'clock. And so I think the schedule says otherwise, but it'll be Family Life Center at 5 o'clock this evening for youth families. Uh, Next week, we're having combined adult Bible classes. Uh, That'll be Sunday, September 18th, will be combined adult Bible classes we have a man from uh, Chamala Mission Work is coming. Hal Ferguson is going to come in and speak. And so we hope that you'll join for that. And then next Sunday evening is small group uh, weekends. So excited for that coming. Uh, some general announcements. Y'all might have noticed there's some poles out in the parking lot. We're not just trying to set up uh, hazards for people to run into and scrape their car up. Uh, they serve a purpose. We're putting some extra handicap spots in is what's happening. And so uh, be looking for more handicap spots put in where those poles are. And there's something else uh, as you're driving in uh, on this road. You might have seen a sign that says uh, for for another church right there, serve Christ by where you park. I think that that's a really, really good saying. I haven't seen that anywhere else. But let's serve Christ by where we park. If if you don't need to park right up here close to the building, uh, let's serve others and serve Christ by just, just scooting back a little bit. Open some spots up. Uh, next Sunday, September 18th, we're going to begin passing trays again for communion. So that'll start next week. So we need uh, people to sign up. We're just trying to get that ordered. So uh, baptized men, uh, there's sign up out there in the foyer, I think in the classroom. So if you're interested in serving there, go ahead and sign up. Uh, another thing is Wednesday evening meal schedule. So you might have noticed this past Wednesday, we had a food truck out there. It's going to be the first and third Wednesday of every month is going to be a food truck. On the second Wednesday, someone is going to be cooking, and then the fourth Wednesday, we'll have it catered in. So this Wednesday is going to be the second Wednesday, which means uh, we're having a fish fry is what it is. So as you can see up there, $6 for adults, $3 for kids through 12th grade. Um, On the card, I know y'all can't see this, but on the member card, um, there's a little slot that says Wednesday night meal. I had never seen this before. But what you'll do is you'll go in and you'll write the number of what you're expecting, adults and children-wise, so that we can get a little bit of a head count. Um, So that's on the member card. Uh, Last thing, and then I'll get out of here. Uh, The marriage workshop, it's coming up. We talked about this a lot, but here in a couple weeks, it's actually going to be here. Uh, A week from now, Sunday, September 18th, the registration is closing. So just got another week. Go ahead and get signed up. Just a reminder, it's free, completely free to register. Uh, Child care is going to be provided, free lunch. I mean, there's really 
nothing to lose. And so we hope that you'll join us for that. But uh, there's a place in the bulletin that you can go in and, and find a register. And uh, even if you can't stay the whole time, we just hope that you'll join for some of it. So, sorry, I know that was a lot, but I'm going to pass it off to my friend Nathan. I'll have you all stand, and uh, we're going to have a scripture reading to start this morning. I'll be reading Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Praise thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my
there's two things that are not in the bulletin. Uh, Scotty Rouse passed away last Friday night, and no plans have been made, so keep your thoughts and prayers in mind for Darlene. Also, Bill and Barbara White grandson, Cooper Reeve, he's suffering from a brain bleed that was due from a football injury. I'd like to read two verses to you. In Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit also help us in our weakness. Since we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, you are the great physician, and there is nothing you cannot do. We come to you for the following who have upcoming surgeries, medical procedures, rehab. And these names are Jim Gibson, Arnold Abels, Gary Broom, Kelly Finley, Jeff Ingram, Linda Dixon, Martha Gentry, Cooper Reeve, Matt Stiefer, and Eli Hodges. We pray that these medical procedures will be successful and all of them have a quick recovery. And Father, we pray for special comfort and peace be upon Darlene Rouse at the loss of her husband, Scotty. Father, we are thankful for the rain and cooler weather for the days are getting shorter and the nights are coming longer. And this reminds us that you are the creator of the lights in the heavens that are made for the signs and seasons and days and years. Father, we ask you to bless our children, teachers, and staff as they return to school. Protect them from harm. We pray for the students to maintain good health and excel in their studies, to listen and learn, and to get along with one another, and especially to recognize, reject teachings that are untrue and that cast doubts about their faith. We pray that our student minds be filled with what is true, right, and pure. And may the schools be a, a joy to all and all return home each day safe and sound. And Father, we see conflicts and poverty in the world. And Father, we ask you to bless the world nations with leaders that are wise and have discerning hearts that seeks and encourage your will to be done. Leaders who honors your holy name. Leaders who find ways for peace. And we pray for the situation in Ukraine that the leaders will not have pride that continue this conflict. And they will seek solutions to end this dispute through peaceful means. Father, we pray for protection be upon our military, our law enforcement, firemen, emergency responders, and our health care workers here and abroad. And Father, we are thankful for our own physical home that we have and that we can come to at the end of the day to rest and seeing the refugees in the world and people here who are looking for a house to build or to rebuild, we ask to 
to remove their worries and anxiety and fears and provide them with a place they can call home. Father, we ask you to bless Bill Allen and present the word of life in a way that strengthens our hope so we can be patient when we face our troubles. Father, may our worship today be in spirit and in truth. May we leave here filled with the power and workings of your Holy Spirit. May we have a great love for one another with the hope laid up for us in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Help us prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning. We all sing, Hope, Hallelujah, Jesus. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like this morning in our Bible class, if you could remember where you were on this day 21 years ago, every person remembered exactly where they were. It, it was this time stood still, and we can think about, most of us can probably remember even what we were doing. And so I also asked, was there another time in our history that you guys could remember where people unified, became united as a nation behind one thing, and it was brought up, the Kennedy assassination, and then we thought about the 9-11 event where our nation came together and they supported each other. And we supported each other through prayer. And we stood behind the flag. And we were together in all aspects of life, it seemingly, at that one given time. And it's, it's sad that it took a tragedy to do that. And it's even more sad that we've gotten away from that. Uh, but we, as Christians, have this time every week that we can unite, that we can come together to remember what our Lord has done for us, and we can stand behind each other and support each other throughout the rest of the week. And we can come back the following week and do this again. And we can remember the sacrifice that was made for us the same way that we honor and memorialize, remember the sacrifice that our men and women made 21 years ago. And it wasn't of their doing, uh, but it was of evil. And it's amazing how sometimes the response that we get when evil, when hate, fills our earth and our world and the response of Christians. And I think that we talked this morning about unity being unified in that response. And so let's think about that as we, as we take of the bread and what Christ did for us and the body that was shed, uh, that, that hung on that cross, was beaten and was bruised and was battered for us. And let's think about that. Let's pray. Father, we truly are grateful uh, for what you did for us. We're grateful that you took the sins of the world upon your shoulders and that you took those from us, Father, that we don't have to bear those sins. Uh, we're grateful that you willingly did that and willingly hung on that cross for us uh, willingly turned your back on your father so that, we, so that you could become our sin and put that on your shoulders. Help us to remember that as we partake of this bread, which, which memorializes your body, and help us to remember all the things you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
You know, it seemed as if we had hope 21 years ago. Our response and the way we came together as a nation, it gave us hope. Our response to what Christ has done for us should give us hope also. And again, every week we have this memorial that we partake in. Let's think about that as we uh, partake of the blood or the Christ. So. Father, uh, thank you again for that blood that was shed. Thank you for this fruit of the vine which represents that blood, which washes us of our sins, uh, which cleanses us and makes us whole. Again, thank you for doing that so willingly, uh, for the blood that was shed from the hands and the feet and the side and the head and the back. Uh, Father, And you did that all for us. And help us to partake of this fruit of the vine which represents that. And help us to always remember what you do for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. hard to meet today and not talk about 9-11. I too remember where I was at. I remember those feelings at work and couldn't see anything and just couldn't believe it at first. And as I look back, I too remember that sense of togetherness. I remember that, uh, that slogan, never forget. I remember this also the separation that that event caused in so many people's lives. First thing that comes to mind for me was the separation of all those who had died in that horrific attack and how they were separated from their family. I also remember the separation of the first responders and the stories of those who had spent days working out there and they wouldn't go home. They wanted just to continue to work to try to look for, to see if they could save anybody. And that went on for years and also the residual from that, from those who suffered issues, health issues, from breathing those fumes and things like that. And then we saw that other separation of soldiers as they went overseas and as they fought. And that went on for years, too. And we saw death, separation from their families, and we also saw injuries. And so what's it have to do with the young at heart? Well, young at heart faced a separation, if you will, for a couple of years as the pandemic hit. And on August the 25th of this year was the first gathering of the Young at Heart area-wide. It was over at the Shiloh Road Church of Christ. And that night, it was a, a sense of excitement at getting to come together. I saw many smiles. It had a feeling of a family reunion. And it was great entertainment, great fellowship, and a lot of good food. It wasn't the scriptural uh, Church of Christ uh, potluck. <laughs> But it was some, some great food. 
made me think, just like the church, our work is about people being with people and working with other people. And our best work is sometimes away from this church building. We are meant to be together. We are meant to be a people that, whose lives are intertwined with each other, whose lives support each other. And we're meant to be together, I repeat. We are meant to attract people to what we have in Jesus. And I would like to read some scriptures uh, before we have our prayer. I want to thank the elders for supporting this work. I want to thank those who are in charge of Young at Heart for, for organizing and getting together. And I especially am grateful that we get to meet with other churches and do that. I'd like to read some scriptures as you look at some of these slides. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Lastly, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for all you do for us, how you provide for us, the daily needs you give us, and even our wants and desires. We pray that as we come together as this family, that we acknowledge that you as the giver of all gifts, and that we know this is a, another testing of our faith, that we can give cheerfully and we can give sacrificially, and we give with an open heart, knowing that you're going to return that tenfold. You bless us beyond measure. We don't deserve it, yet you continually do that. And we love you for that. We ask your blessings on us at this time. We thank you for all the works that we do here at West Irwin and all the ways you support 
and help. And Father, may we be a unified church in this effort of giving also, because you are a great God. We love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, it's time for our children to go to the last program. Also, if you'll be passing those attendance cards to an aisle that's closest to you. We've got some young men and some older men coming down each aisle to collect these cards for us. For Bill's message to us this morning, let's all say it and say, My hope is built on nothing else. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid, Christ and all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness Nothing better for a preacher before a sermon to have a couple of young men send him wishes of good luck and God's blessing. I treasure that. Today is Patriot Day, the 21st anniversary of the terrorist attacks of Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001. As has been mentioned already, Kelly mentioned that day, the JFK assassination day. In 1963, some of you remember 1941 and Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th. You know, the millennials among us on 9-11 of 2001, the oldest of the millennial generation were college age, many younger. The Gen Z generation, a lot of our kids... The Gen Z generation, the oldest of them were preschool. The majority of them had not even been born on 9-11 of 2001. On that day, both of the World Trade Center towers in New York City were destroyed and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. damaged. A fourth plane uh, crashed in the Washington, D.C. area. A fourth plane crashed in a Pennsylvania field when passengers bravely fought back against the Islamic terrorists on board, sacrificing their lives rather than allow the terrorists 
to carry out their plan. Let's roll, they said. Nearly 3,000 people died in those attacks, actually more than died at the hands of the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. Joyce and I were living in Arlington at that time. As already has been said, anyone who was alive at that time and old enough to remember remembers where you were and what you were doing. It was early on a Tuesday morning, and um, I was on my way to the church office in Arlington, Texas. And after getting there, we watched on television uh, the reports. And when that second plane hit, uh, we knew that... um, that it was uh, something that was specific. Let's hold off on the slides just yet, please. And, um, and so you knew exactly uh, what was going on, and you knew exactly that this was something that was uh, deliberate. And you knew that we were at war, whatever that looked like. My sermon on September 16th, the following Sunday, changed, of course. Everything changed. I entitled my sermon that day, Living in a Different World, urging us to trust in the Lord, urging us to pray without ceasing, urging us to live our lives. And not let those terrorists have that. About that time, well, actually a month or two later, Alan Jackson wrote a song that was played um, within a couple of months of 9-11 at the Country Music Association Award Show on November 7th. And so as we look at these slides, I would like to read the words of that song. If you watched that show and you watched that first public performance of Alan Jackson with his guitar and with the orchestra behind him singing, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning, then you were touched. Okay, let's start that slide presentation. Where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on some stage in L.A.? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout out in anger, in fear for your neighbor, or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children? They lost their dear loved ones. Pray for the ones who don't know. Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sob for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God. And I remember this from when I was young. 
Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us. And the greatest is love. Where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? Teaching a class full of innocent children or driving down some cold interstate? Did you feel guilty because you're a survivor? In a crowded room, did you feel alone? Did you call up your mother and tell her you love her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset for the first time in ages and speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow, go out and buy you a gun? Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching and turn on I Love Lucy reruns? Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers, stand in line to give your own blood? Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us. And the greatest is love. And the greatest is love. As Kelly shared earlier, after that attack and the numbness uh, that we felt and the shock that we felt initially, there was a sense of hope. There was a sense of unity. There was a sense of oneness, of purpose, of kindness, of concern, of prayer and devotion to God and to church. How can we be hopeful in such a dangerous, cynical world? As we look back 21 years ago on 9-11, as we think of other devastating events in our nation's history, but also our world history that we perhaps never felt, how can we be hopeful in such a dangerous, cynical world? As we watch the news, I recommend you not watch it very long. How can we be hopeful in such a dangerous, cynical world where such evil clearly exists? The psalmists give us the answer, and it's this simple statement. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. That statement is mentioned three times in Psalms 42 and 43, which perhaps originally was one psalm. And you know that psalm because it begins uh, with the song that we'll sing at our invitation time today. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The scripture, Psalm 121, that Nathan read at the beginning of our service, reminds us to not trust in the hills or in the armies or in the nation, but to put our hope in God. As our shepherd David Wick shared from the New Testament in Philippians and Romans, we 
pray again. We trust in the Lord. We pray without ceasing. We live our lives. And that's just as true today. Today, more than ever, we need a reminder to not give up hope. And so this morning, I want to share several things about that hope that makes it worthwhile to hold on to. That in the midst of all of this, we can put our hope in God. So let's talk for just a few moments about our steadfast hope. First of all, it is a living hope. It is a living hope. These words from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed." Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Through him, verse 24, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Our hope is a living hope because the tomb is empty. Our hope is a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's why it is absolutely, completely, 100% appropriate for us to meet with fellow Christians around the community as our Young at Heart group did and to have a joyful, wonderful time together and to share that moment with all of our church family today that's here gathered and that's watching online Why? Because our hope is a living hope. It's a hope that cannot be taken away from anyone or any nation or any army or any tragedy. Our hope is a living hope because the tomb is empty. Secondly, ours is a waiting hope. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Both of these passages of Scripture affirm our living hope and our waiting hope. And they do that in a way that says, 
we're not realized that hope yet. In fact, right now our lives are difficult, and there is suffering, and there is evil, and there is loss, and there are tears. And so this is a hope that has not yet been realized. We don't already have it fulfilled. But it is our waiting hope. We wait. Thirdly, the promise of hope. This one is taken from Lamentations chapter 3 in the Old Testament. If you're following with the daily Bible reading, you've been in Jeremiah and Lamentations and some other passages that stem from the time right around 600 B.C. when the Babylonians were threatening the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital city of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah had been there for decades, and he had been preaching and proclaiming, this is from God, we need to surrender, we are not going to win this war. God is going to use this evil empire to punish his people because of our sins. And the best thing you can do is surrender and go over to the Babylonians, and that way your life will be spared. Not a popular message, just as it wouldn't be today. And so Jeremiah faced lots of persecution over those decades. And then he watched as the gate was destroyed and the walls were torn down and the, the wonderful palace that King David had built was destroyed and the amazing temple that King Solomon had built was burned to the ground. And throughout the Lamentations, it is exactly that, a lament that laments the misery and the hurt and the pain and the death and the suffering that he saw all around him at the time. But in the midst of that lament, there is a message of hope. There is the promise of hope. Lamentations 3, beginning at verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Have you heard those words before? Have you sung that song recently? Just a few moments ago. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are what? New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Written from this message, from this moment of suffering. Because of the promise of hope. Another one of our songs. Great is thy faithfulness. Taken from this passage as well. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The promise of hope. Number four is the anchor of hope. The anchor of hope in Hebrews chapter 6. The book of Hebrews begins with Jesus ascending to the throne room of the Father, the ultimate holy of holies, with the ultimate sacrifice the sacrifice of blood, his own blood. 
Hebrews 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, talking about His promise and His oath, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope, verse 19, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And so the anchor is used, as you know, on a ship to go down to the ground is possible to give the ship stability so that it won't just go everywhere with the storm and the waves and the wind. But in this case, the anchor goes up. The anchor goes up to the very throne room of God, to heaven itself. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, as the old song says, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. That is the anchor of hope. And it's set with great power and stability in heaven itself at the feet of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Number five is the witness of hope. The witness of hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Live with hope. Live with joy. Live with love. Live with assurance. It doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. The first couple of passages we looked at affirmed that that suffering is here and will continue. But that suffering doesn't give us our hope. Our hope is much firmer than that. It's much more eternal than that. And when we live that way, there is the witness of hope. Just as Donnie shared with us, we are meant to attract people. I loved it when you said that, brother. We are meant to attract people. And that is exactly right. How exactly do we do that? Well, before a word is ever shared, pointing them to the Bible, pointing them to the church... We live it in front of them. And how exactly do we live? We live with hope. And the crazy thing is, the more hopeless and cynical and difficult our surroundings are, the greater that witness is. People are starving for hope today. They're not starving for argument about politics. They're not starving for arguments about other things. They can get that a thousand different places, as you know. What they're starving for is to see someone living with hope in their lives. 
That is the witness of hope. And when we do that, they will ask, how can you live with hope? And we're ready to give them the reason for the hope that we have. And that reason is Jesus Christ. That reason is an empty tomb. That reason is the blood that we celebrated a few moments ago as we remembered the cleansing power that we received from it. The witness of hope. Finally, number six, the hope of glory. This great passage in Colossians 1, beginning at verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ah, marvelous. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And just as Peter affirmed that we live out this hope and people ask us and we tell them where it comes from, verses 28 and 29 continue in Colossians 1. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It is Christ working in you. It is Christ who gives you the hope with which you live. It is Christ who enables you to live that out in front of others who don't share that hope. And it is Christ who empowers you to be ready to answer when someone asks, where does this hope come from? Our steadfast hope. I have one more slide to show you. It's a special one to me. You can see it in my office. It's of a poster from the Marine Corps Marathon on October 28, 2001, about six weeks or so after 9-11 happened. It was my first marathon. Joyce and I had been planning. I had been training. And, um, and we were going to go. And then 9-11 happened. We had been working with um, uh, a group called the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They helped tr- people train for different athletic events and other events as a fundraiser. And so we raised money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and they helped me get ready for my first marathon. Trained with a group, had a coach and a mentor, and then 9-11 happened. And we thought, should we go? We're going to be flying into Washington, D.C. Are they even going to have the event? And after a while, we heard, yes, the event is going to go on, and we determined without any flinching or without any question that we would go. We would be there. We flew into Reagan National, (laughs) which had only been opened since October 4th. And let me tell you, on that plane ride, (laughs) we were conscious of everybody else that was on that plane. Can I just say that? And everything that they were doing. And they told us when we got on the plane, we don't care how badly you have to go, you don't get up on this flight. So you better take care of whatever you need to take care of before we lock the door because nobody gets up. We were flying into Washington, D.C. 
That marathon was amazing. Again, it was the Marine Corps Marathon, so there were Marines everywhere. Started and ended at the Iwo Jima Monument. <laughs> and, I, and we remember a lot of things from that trip, but we remember especially the businesses and the people from the moment we landed. Really, from the moment we got on the plane, all we heard was, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for not being afraid so much that you canceled. The business owners in D.C. had been devastated. And now here were some tourists, some people, spending some of their money, and they were so appreciative, so very grateful. On this particular poster, you'll notice on the uh, right in the middle, you see smoke. Because the artist changed their plan after 9-11. Even though the event was only six weeks away, they changed their plan. And so they added in a few Marines up at the front. And the Marines were the ones that gave us our water at the water breaks. The Marines were the ones who were flying around in this helicopter and made me feel very secure, very grateful. But you'll notice on that part of the poster that there's the Pentagon and there's the damage and it's smoking from being damaged. And I remember running that marathon and I remember running right by the Pentagon. We ran by all of the monuments, not as closely as we had hoped, but ran by them. And I remember several things, but I remember running by the Pentagon, and I remember that the fence was up, the chain link fence, and then it was blocked in, in addition to that, so you couldn't see through it. And as we ran by the Pentagon, we looked on the other side of the fence, and there must have been a soldier, a a uh, Marine standing on top of one of those big 55-gallon drums because all we saw above the high fence was this American flag being waved. And somebody must have done that through the whole thing because I was toward the end. <laughs> and there they were. And every time we ran under a bridge or anywhere that echoed... <laughs> No matter how tired you were, no matter how winded you were, as you went, you went, USA, USA, USA. It was just the most amazing thing I had ever experienced. You see, even in the midst of devastation, we can have hope. We felt it as a nation, as has been said. I remember in Arlington, Texas, we were in the flight line of DFW, one of, the most, one of the busiest airports in the world. And I remember how eerie it was when it was shut down for a few days and I was out running and there was no air traffic, only silence. God doesn't shield us from the bad things that happen in this world. He's never promised that. He's never affirmed that. Throughout the Bible, we read just the opposite, including some of the passages we read today about hope. Because our steadfast hope isn't dependent upon all those things. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This morning, if you want to put your hope in the only one who can give it for eternity, come. 
as we stand and sing our song together. As the are so very happy today. This is a happy family. Um, Reese Pippin comes today to confess his faith and to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And what an incredible blessing that is and what an incredible blessing you and your family are to us at this church. We're so happy for uh, your family. We love them very, very much. I know your mom is here and your brothers and they've meant so much to you and have given you such a great example as has so many in your family, and this becomes your family today as well. So, Reese, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. And what do you believe about him and your salvation? That he risen the third day. That's wonderful. And yes, he did. And that's where we get our salvation, and that's where we get our hope, and that's the hope that you will have. From this day on, I'm very, very proud of you, Reese.
Reese, because you have confessed that you do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is your Savior, that he died on the cross, and that that tomb is empty, that he was raised on the third day, just as you said. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of your sins, so that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. bow with me. Father, on a day where we come to you with such heavy hearts, Father, there's a silver lining where we've all come together and we were able to, to work together to make that day just a touch better for everybody that was involved in such a tragic accident. Father, I pray that as we go throughout today and the rest of the week and the rest of our lives, we would look for the silver lining. Father, there's so many bad things that happen that we don't understand why your knowledge and intelligence is so far superior to ours that I pray that we would trust in you in everything that we do. Father, I pray that we place our hope in you every day. Father, I pray that as we go back out into this world that we would do the will of your Son. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and where we've fallen short of your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> 